across the aisle. Greet them. Say hello. Praise God. You can be seated if you'd like to today. Amen. 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 Praise God. It is good to have friends with us today, friends and brothers. And uh, we've been blessed to spend yesterday afternoon and this morning with the Johns family. And we're going to spend some more time with them this week. And glad to have them in our home and and I had a nice drive this morning for about an hour and a half or so. And praise God, we spent some time yesterday and just been, the Lord's been ministering to my spirit as we've talked, and I'm thankful for that. Love Him. And He's not a stranger, I don't think, to most of you. And so I'm going to ask Him to come and greet you. And he's like, oh, I don't need it. I'm like, well, at least you can at least come and greet the people. So I'm going to ask Him to come and do that. And it's also good to have Brother Bruce Bartell with us. This morning, love him, a dear friend, and uh, I have much more expectation of Brother Bartell than I've ever had because he is in Stockton near my children, and so that means new expectations I have placed upon him, And uh, but I love him. I love his spirit of ministry, and the Lord has used him through the years to minister to my life, and I'm thankful for that. Praise God. So... We're going to hear from him, too, as well, after the Johns. Amen. It's good to be here this morning. God has been good. And um, I was thinking as we were worshiping this morning, and some of you know I've gone through a very interesting journey the last couple of years. And we've been in this journey lately of the whole church where we are, of this process of trusting. And it's always a process because it's always a time. And, you know, sometimes you think you've got some things learned and sometimes God asks you questions and you go, well, maybe I need to still get a little bit more of this. God asked me a question. We were talking about this a little bit this morning. God asked me a question a few months ago that just really rattled my cage and rattled we brought it before the church finally at one point. And for those of you that don't know, and I don't have time to tell you all this thing, but I struggled for almost two years with a serious, they finally diagnosed me with severe fibromyalgia. God healed me of that in November of last year. We were doing fantastic until April of this year, and I had a major stroke that they said I should not have survived. And uh, things have changed even just in this last week. But it's been this journey of trusting, this process of things. 
And God asked me this question along this line, and it just kind of rattled my chains because or of what God is doing and learning and trusting all these things. I came to this point that God just asked me this question, and he said, you know, and we pray because sometimes we want out. God gets us where he wants us, knows he's wanting one in our flesh wants out. And my flesh wants out of the process, but yet I don't want to stop the shortcut the process of God. So there's that battle we have. And God asked me this question. He said, you know that I could change everything in an instant. I said, yeah. He said, but here's my question for you. He said, if I changed everything today, would you go back to what you were? Or have you truly learned what I'm trying to show you? And you see, the problem is our flesh always wants to go back. Yeah, God brought him out of Egypt and all those amazing things. And what is the thing they kept saying? We want to go back. We want to go back. And there's some things that God does not let us go back to. And thank God for that. It's that process of God saying, look, I need to change you to get you to the place. I have been I've been kind of stuck um, the last few weeks. The the very last part of Job, you know, the story Job goes through all of the things. The very last chapter of Job talks about first of all that Job had to get right back right with God, which is the most important key. If we don't if we're not right with God, everything else stops. Amen. And then after Job got right with God, Job went to his friends and said. I got to get you right. And so to get you right, I need you to come to Job and Job will pray for you. And the, and the verse that, that is so powerful to me in that story is that the Bible tells us that God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. But Job was still suffering. Job still has lost everything. Job still has boils. Job is still in the middle of this process and probably another person that's weak and trembling and trying to figure all this stuff out. But God said, I've finally gotten you to the place that I can now begin to work the process that I want to work through you. You see, we're all waiting for our situations to get changed. We're waiting for we get the place that we say, well, I've got enough things in my right, life right together, so now God can maybe use me. I've maybe gotten far enough along in my journey, so God can now use me. No, what you need to understand, church, is that God wants us to be a, in alignment with Him so He can use us and do what He desires to do because it's not about us. It's about us being the vessel, letting the flow. And sometimes it's God saying, look, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the situation, in spite of what we see and understand, it's time now for you to move and time for you to do what you desire to do. And that's when everything begins to change. And I'm thankful for that. Thankful for his mercy. So thankful for this church and so thankful for all the people that God has worked in our life. I just have to tell you all thank you again today. 
I heard a beautiful, beautiful sermon a few months ago talking about helps. And I know the context, but I'm thankful that God has given us helps. He's put people in our lives, and he's working and fitting things together. I'm glad I'm part of the body this morning. Amen? And I'm excited to see what God is doing. Amen. God bless you this morning. I'm supposed to turn this to you, and I don't know how to introduce you, so here you are. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Praise Jesus, everyone. I am thankful and grateful to be here and fellowship with your bishop. Um, I'm very happy to have great fellowship. I had a choice to spend more time with my family or come down here and fellowship with your bishop. <clears throat> I made the right choice. <laughs> be here and have fellowship with the hearts. And of course, Caleb and Lorraine. Um, I have great memories of, of the Yakima Valley. Of course, the Okanagan Valley is just north, so it's very similar. Praise the Lord. I, I will leave you with a, a, uh, a word that has provoked me the last three weeks. Um, it has stirred me almost every day. Um, it starts with a theological question. Where was Adam when Eve was being tempted and seduced and lured away that affected all of humanity? I always thought that Adam was on the back 40, you know. He was taking care of the flowers or something. And then I read, how many times have I read it? Uh, Genesis 3 and verse number 6. The Bible says that Eve took of the fruit and gave it to her husband with her. With her. He wasn't somewhere else. He was with her. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You should have, you're the husband. You should have stopped it. You should have shut that down. Or at least you should have grabbed her by the hand and said, come on, honey, let's go for a walk. He didn't do a thing. That provoked me. Because as a man, as a husband, and a father or a leader, you, 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 there's some things you just got to do. You just can't keep, sit there and keep your mouth shut. And a whole aspect of spiritual maturity is learning responsibility. Kids, they don't know nothing. They don't understand when you draw on the flower on the wall the responsibility or the ramifications or all that means. Do you have to fix it? They don't care. They, they don't understand responsibility. That's why they're kids. And hopefully... That's what adolescence and teen years, you're learning. You're not a kid, but you're not an adult. You're in this in-between where you're learning responsibility and accountability. And you're going to help pay. What? It costs how much? Yeah, this is called being grown up. And so how much more in the church? We ought to be grown up at some point in time where we accept responsibility. And we don't have to be milk-fed or spoon-fed or pampered, but we're grown up enough to take care of ourselves and then maybe help people around us and, and Lord willing, get to a place where we become leaders. Anyhow, it has provoked me. And so if you need to and you see something, don't sit there like a bump on a log. 
Come on, amen. Say something. You don't have to hit them upside the head with the Bible and start going into an exegetical study on something. Just, this isn't right. Just, okay, Bishop. I'm looking forward to hearing Bishop talk. Amen. It's good to be here. Brother Bartell and I have had an interesting relationship through the years. And uh, <clears throat> I have the fondest memory of his phone calls. Often it would be many months that would go by. We would have no communication at all. I'd look there. Oh, Bruce Bartell. How you doing? I could, I could be sitting on the couch. It's been raining for a week. Maybe I'm on borderline depression. Oh, hey, Bruce, how you doing? Good. Hey, got a question for you. And he would ask me a question. And from somewhere way down deep would come a flow. That in 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour, I would get off the phone on top of the mountain. And I'd think, how did he? And so oftentimes, we can reflect through the years many phone calls that would come at the right time. Praise God. What's interesting is, is the nature of the question usually presented in such a way that it seemed like he was needing something. And by the time I got off the phone, I got everything. I hope he felt better when he got off the phone. Oh, my. Praise God. I'd like to look at Philippians, the second chapter. Uh, verse 1. I'm, I'm opening my Bible just for looks here. I need it on the screen. I need a bigger print. I'm not even in the book of Philippians. <laughs> but you don't know that. I'm going to share, I'm going to testify first before we read this. I'm in a conversation, I, I'm, and I hope I haven't already told this here. I lose track. I'm in a conversation with a man that we have ministry relationship with. We work together, various meetings and things, and uh, we're riding in a car, and he's sharing with me about a situation that he's connected to. Yes, Lord. <laughs> you said. He was telling me about this uh, church that he's had attended years ago and was now connected to that had been given a position of uh, responsibility. And I'm well aware of the place, and if I called out the name of the pastor, you would probably, maybe 80% of you would know, and uh, he's since passed away. But his name had become renowned among our, uh, our organization and throughout the world because of giftings that operated 
in his life. But now I'm in conversation with this man who's connected to the uh, structural components of this church or work in this particular city. And he says, there's no leadership. There was nothing developed beyond him. And they're reaching out to me. And I'm like, not me, this guy I'm talking to. And I said to him, I said, how did that happen? And I realized that when I said it, there was something critical in my spirit when I said it. In other words, how does a person with such gifting operated in his life that it would impact the world? Yet when it came time to the passing of the, of the uh, baton, so to speak, there was no passing of a baton. It was no raising up. There was no building of a team that would outlive him and his ministry. Now, I'm saying to you when I, when I communicated this to this brother, I could tell in my spirit I'm making a critical statement. I'm making a critical judgment. Because, because here's what I was doing. I was comparing him to me. Because that's what we do. And just that fast, the Lord checked me and said, because I didn't gift him that way. He was responsible to operate in the gifting that I had placed in his life. You let me take care of the rest of this situation. Oh, okay. Let's back away from that a little bit. Now, I like the effect that it had on me. I appreciate, I appreciate that the Lord would not let... That just pass. But he would stop and check me. In my spirit. And then talk to me about it. I was uh, in Mississippi a week ago. At a meeting with a brother that I also had served with him for many years. On a committee type situation. Sitting across the boardroom table. And observed his answers. Now, I observed his responses to those who were in the room. I, I observed his demeanor and attitude in the room. And I cast judgment upon him. Now, I never spoke anything to him. But in my mind and my heart of hearts, I looked at him and I placed him. I, ver I didn't verbalize this, but I knew for me, I'd placed him. Well, we kind of co-hosted that meeting down there in Mississippi. And I thought, wow, this guy, I don't know if he knows how much God's using him. I knew that he had traveled in various places around the world. I knew that he had written several books. 
And I kind of attribute it to his books that he had all these invitations to go and be and do until I was there in the room with him. And the Holy Ghost came upon him. And he ministered in the dimension that was a kingdom dimension that superseded Mississippi or any place in the south or the north. It's a world dimension. And I, I thought to myself, you fool. Not him, me. You classed him. You put him in a place. You put him in a level. You put him in a dimension. And that's not God's gifting upon his life, which now was evident to me. And I watched and I saw it. And I marveled. And I wanted to sit down and take a back seat and just receive. I like how that affected me. Philippians 2 and 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. I immediately sent a text to Bishop Wright and expressed how I was impacted by the ministry of Mike Dobbs and the level of confidence that God had given to me for him and his ministry and his involvements and all the things that we've been involved in and will continue to be involved in. No matter where it is, I would not hesitate to minister alongside or be a part of or receive from. That's good. Bishop Bright text. That's good. He knows me. And coming from me, he knew what that meant. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let us esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. If anybody had reason to look at others in some lower light. In some disparaging way. With a critical eye. He had the right. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men let's keep reading being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient to the process, even the process of the cross. Verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given, and given him a name which is above every name. Name. Your dad and mom named you. But for seasons in your life, you're, you're trying to live up to that name. Or maybe you're trying to make a name. It's a part of our nature. Human nature. Not spirit nature. This is a part of the human nature. Which becomes a part of the battle. That's fought from within. Pray with me if you would. I want you to pray and talk to the Lord about you, yourself, how you look, how you speak, how you perceive and measure. God, affect us, impact us, teach us, talk to us, shape and mold our perception, shape and mold the processes, Jesus, that would cause us. To look unfavorably somehow at a brother, a sister. Rather than esteeming them better than ourselves. He that is exalted... Shall be, hear that word? Shall be abased. Do you know how he abases? Failure. The very thing that you avoid your life long. And when you tell the story, you tell of the victory attributes of the story. You hold back the failure attributes of the story. So that you can control the projection of the image. Because we want to be seen as victorious. We want to be seen as the winner. We want to be seen as the higher ground. That we should all attain to and be measured by. And so God says. Tough deal here. I'm going to have to send some failures your way. He abases those who exalt themselves. And this is why the teaching becomes so important. He that exalts himself. It's not an if. It's a win. And it's coming. If he loves you. It's coming. And the very thing that you're trying to keep from. Because failure, listen to me, serves us well. 
Failure serves us well. Oh, it's painful, of course. It hurts. Mostly our ego. But if we're tough, we'll brush past it and we'll move on and we'll go right back to being what we were. And then, what will he do? He'll bring another one along your way. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Some people just haven't had enough failure. Their life is so imbalanced because they haven't had enough failure in life to balance them, to mature them, to bring them to a place that is a vessel pleasing to him. Because the Bible says that if we are abased, if we'll take the low seat, if we'll esteem others better than ourselves, in due time, in due season, God says, I'll exalt you. What I see that as meaning from, in a comparative is, he'll bring the victories. But... Because of the abasement, you'll know how to handle the victory. You won't be pointing at the victory. You'll be pointing at the one who brought the victory. Let's pray again. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Shape my thought processes, Lord. Mold me, make me what you desire for me to be. Whatever the process is that you've got to take me through, make me to that which pleases you, that which serves you and your kingdom well. In the name of Jesus. What's verse 10 say? I'm going to stop there. I want to stop where I can still feel the edge of the pain of those thoughts. I'd like for musicians to come. I don't know what it is that God has to do in our thought processes to avoid his actions of failure to bring a balance. Something that will abase me to the degree. I'd rather make that effort first. I want to make that effort first. I want to become aware of it. I want to be conscious of it. And before the words would come out of my mouth, that was a close one. Let the adjustments be made. Let the adjustments be made. Let there be a contrition and a brokenness before him. See, Sometimes our perspective of getting so right, we, we say this, we want to, and, and I understand the scripture, 
We want to get right so the Lord can use you. The Lord can use you when you're wrong. The Lord can use you when you're bad. The Lord can use you when you're failing. That's not the point. He has purpose to use us. But it's getting our spirit right. It's getting a course correction that affects our attitude, affects our behavior. Because there's an abaseness. There's a brokenness. There's a humility that's made its way into our being. That we're no longer setting out to prove anything to anybody. Because it's not about us getting the glory. God grant you enough failure that it blesses you. That's not an oxymoron. Elder Hart, I'd like the altar's open to you.
Jesus. Come on, the Lord is still ministering here. The Lord would use you. He would minister. Let His Spirit flow and minister. Let His Spirit work in your life. Sometimes the Lord ministers to our spirit and we'll respond and we'll... And then our routine is go, okay, that, I felt that. Now I'm going to go back to my safe pure. Let's not rush past what the Holy Ghost is trying to do in our spirit this morning. I believe he's going to release us when he's ready. And you can go when he releases you today. But let his spirit continue to work. Come on, he's got to take us past this place so his spirit can operate through us fully and freely the way he wants to. Of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, let him free us from the expectations of men.
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The bishop was talking about the, at one point, about how we look at and think of or speak of others. Element of criticism. Lord's been dealing with me the last couple of weeks. Scripture says this about Satan that he is the accuser. What's the accuser of? The brethren. You want an indicator of who you're giving into when you start criticizing brothers and sisters? He is an accuser of the brethren. And so when I give in to that, and you, now, this is what I felt so clearly. You may stand here, sit here, and say, you know, I, thank God I can honestly say I don't. I don't. I don't accuse the brethren. I don't accuse sisters. I don't. I'm not critical of them. Let me ask you this question. You ever criticize yourself? You ever turn that criticism on yourself? Are you a brother and a sister in the body of Christ? You're giving room to the accuser. And it's called self-criticism. And it is the voice of the accuser. And you're aiding the accuser and you're criticizing the brethren or the sister, except you don't realize it because it's yourself that you're criticizing. Because that makes you feel better about beating yourself up. It's Catholic penance. You're taking the flog and flogging yourself. I know what I'm talking about. I'm good at it through the years. The Lord's wanting to use you. He's wanting to use us. He's wanting to do this. And so what happens? I, what does failure produce? Failure shows us our weakness. Failure produces a fear and a trembling. There's something that comes after that. If I'll stay in the process and I'll not. And so you, you'll go one of two ways. You really will. You'll go to the side that says, you know what? I'm just going to head off failure before it happens. What are you going to do? You're going to become a perfectionist and get everything right. You're going to do everything well. Or, if you just can't control it, then you'll just bail on that situation, hand it off to somebody else, and move on so that the failure doesn't become yours. And you can save face. 
when really what you're doing is just prolonging the process that the love of God is trying to take you through. Because with weakness and fear and much trembling comes a power and a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And we recognize after my failure in my weakness and my fear and the trembling I'm in, if there's any chance that God did something, you know, thanks for the kind word, but I'm not being modest. It was Him and only Him. It was Him and only Him. Jesus said, the scripture says of Jesus, He learned obedience. He learned it. I thought He was born with it since He was the Son of God. He learned it. He learned it a certain way. Through suffering. Well, he learned it by being a rule follower. No, that didn't do it. He learned it by crossing every T, dotting every I, being the perfect Pharisee of the law. Yeah, that worked out for Saul. No, he learned it through suffering. Suffering brought him obedience. Obedience to what? What was he learning to be obedient to? He was learning to be obedient to the Father. The voice, that's why he could say, I don't say anything except the Father gives it to me to say. I don't do anything except the Father does it through me. What was that? Oh, he was sensitive to the No, he was obedient to the Father. He learned that through suffering. Isn't it amazing the Apostle Paul penned those words? I was with you in all these things. And the reason he, he identifies. See, he tells us the end results so we can learn from him. He says, the reason I was with you in all those ways that wasn't very appealing. If you were looking for a, you know, a pastor of the year award to grant or a leader of the year award. I, I wasn't any of those things, he said. But the reason the Lord let me be with you in that manner was so that the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost would take place and your confidence would not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. You really want Him to do something in us. Would you talk to Him right there where you are right now in the name of Jesus. Let's continue to talk to the Lord. Let Christ be formed in me. Let Christ be formed in me. Jesus in your name in the name of Jesus as I first came to pray the Lord took me back to a time a minister came to me 
in a similar situation and he said, did you know you can be too humble? I was like, hey, I'm just trying to pray, brother. Did you know you can be too humble? And I thought, wait a second. That, that, that goes against a lot of things that I've been taught and trying to be. But as, as what Elder Hart was saying, if, if that criticism of myself causes me to take such a place of humility to, re, to the point of removing myself, from a place of ministry, from a place of giving to others, or feeling like, I, no, I'm the most humble person here. I have nothing to give to anybody, so I'll just slip in and I'll slip out. Is that too humble? I would say yes. That's too humble. But what, what Jesus said, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. That's not the same thing as just being falsely humble, false humility. I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. And then another scripture says, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning, but let it be that of a meek and quiet spirit. (laughs) And I'll have to say this. There's a difference in being meek and being quiet. Because we think if we stay quiet enough at the right time, then I can, I can pass myself off as meek and humble. But I've been, I, I'm speaking from personal experience. There's not a lot of people that like to stay more quiet than I do. But I've been alone with my thoughts enough to know you get me in the right situation and think about the right, this person the right way, and you're going to start to see some things that aren't so meek and humble, quiet in spirit. No, that's... Harsh thinking, or as Bishop put it, critical thinking. A critical spirit is not a meek spirit. It's not a quiet spirit. The the Lord's been cooking my grits today about this. (laughs) But I I, I don't want to just be, I don't want everybody to think, oh, look at him, he's humble. Don't look at him, he's quiet. He's not, he doesn't have nothing to say. And this is not just for me, okay? If we think, I'll just reserve all my thoughts to myself. I'll reserve all those judgments to myself. I I appreciate what Bishop said today, being open and honest today about that and how we can judge. We can just place somebody else in our own mind. But he's never shared his classification system with us as a ministry team. And here's where he falls. That's himself. And I can be the same way about a, a person, a situation, whatever it is. And, and, and I, what I'm really doing is I am not allowing a meek spirit, a quiet spirit, because it's still going on inside here, right? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God. Thank you for speaking to us today, God. Thank you for loving us enough, God, and caring for us enough, Jesus to show us these things about ourselves, God. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work on us, God, and to a point of perfection, God, where you say we are now a complete and whole Christian. Jesus made and formed in your image, God. Whatever the work takes, 
whatever needs to be done, Lord. I, I submit myself to it right now, God, trusting in you, believing, God, that you know the final outcome. Jesus, and I give you control of my life. I give you control today, God. Lord, I repent right now for a critical spirit that I've allowed myself to have. God, for the things I've said just to myself or to you or in the confidence of others, God, if it's critical in spirit, if it's critical in nature, God, I repent right now. I don't want that in my, in my spirit, God. I want to be meek before you. I want to be meek before others, God. Jesus, that you would shine through, that your light would reflect God in my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. I, and greet one another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.